For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. All right, the scripture reading for this morning is from Psalm 27. The eternal is my light amidst my darkness and my rescue in times of trouble. So whom shall I fear? He surrounds me with a fortress of protection, so nothing should cause me alarm. When my enemies advanced to devour me alive, they tripped and fell flat on their faces into the soil. When the armies of the enemy surround me, I will not be afraid. When death calls for me in the midst of war, my soul is confident and unmoved. I am pleading with the Eternal for this one thing, my soul's desire, to live with him all of my days, in the shadow of his temple, to behold his beauty and ponder his ways in the company of his people. His house is my shelter and secret retreat. It is there I find peace in the midst of storm and turmoil. Safety sits with me in the hiding place of God. He will set me on a rock high above the fray. God lifts me high above those with thoughts of death and deceit that call for my life. I will enter his presence offering sacrifices and praise. In his house, I'm overcome with joy as I sing, yes, and play music for the eternal alone. I cannot shout any louder. Eternal one, hear my cry and respond with your grace. The prodding of my heart leads me to chase after you. I am seeking you, eternal one. Don't retreat from me. You have always answered my call. Don't hide from me now. Don't give up on me in anger at your servant. You have always been there for me. Don't throw me to the side and forget me, my God, and only salvation. My father and mother have deserted me, yet the eternal will take me in. O eternal, show me your way. Shine your light brightly on this path and make it level for me. For my enemies are lurking in the recesses and ravines along the way. They are watching, hoping to seize me. Do not release me to their desires or surrender me to their will. Liars are standing against me, breathing out cruel lies, hoping that I will die. I will move past my enemies with this one sure hope, that with my own eyes, I will see the goodness of the eternal and the land of the living. Please answer me, don't give up. Wait for the eternal in expectation and be strong. Again, wait for the eternal. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Brittany. Uh, before we get to the message, uh, a couple of um, laments. Uh, number one, Mike Chamberlain's father passed away about a week and a half ago, suddenly of a heart attack, and we are grieving with Mike and Aaron. Uh, his dad was, was with us just the Sunday before he passed as uh, we dedicated little Lachlan Chamberlain. So um, our hearts are heavy and grieving. For the Chamberlain family, and also um, for the massacre in Christchurch, New Zealand, 49 Muslims gunned down um, by white nationalists, we, um, we pray, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Um, so let's, let's pray as we start. God, in the middle of pain, um, the words of the psalmist 
seem appropriate. Um, my father and mother have deserted me, but you will never desert me. But come, come quickly. I'm waiting for you, God, to come. And so um, into all of our lament and our pain, we pray that your powerful presence would show up, not because we're worthy of it, not because we do anything to, to receive it, but just because you're good and you want to show up in our pain. Amen? Well, we're in the second Sunday of Lent, and uh, Lent is uh, the journey of 40 days that we spend in our own kind of wilderness, echoing the 40 days that Jesus spent in his wilderness as he started his ministry. And thank you to Dan Cook, who, I don't know if you heard it, but, you know, we had to, we canceled church last week, and then Dan did a Facebook Live, and so, and we uploaded it to the podcast. So if you haven't heard the first Sunday of Lent message by Dan, check it out. Uh, really, really good. And uh, so Lent reminds us that we will spend time in the wilderness in our life. A life lived in faith is not a life where everything goes your way because you believe the right thing. Amen. We all know that by lived experience. We hate the wilderness, or at least most of us do. And because the wilderness is really the place where you've really left something for real. But you haven't yet seen where you're going. Or you don't yet know where you're going. And it's a really unfamiliar feeling to us, isn't it? Because most of us are really, we, we plan really well to never leave something until we have a solid thing that is lined up next, right? That's what we do. The uncertainty of the wilderness will drive us kind of crazy, so we'll work really hard to push away that uncertainty and that, that place of unknowing. But Lent reminds us, you guys, that it is only when we journey into what we don't know that God leads us to something bigger and more expansive and greater. And if you don't believe me, just read your, read your Bible, folks. It is filled with stories of people who left something not knowing where they went. One of the first, actually the first time that God met someone in the wilderness is in Genesis chapter 16. And the person that God meets in the wilderness is an Egyptian woman. So put that in your pipe and smoke it a little bit. It's pretty awesome. Egyptian, not children of Israel, woman, not man. She's Hagar. And Hagar was the woman that uh, became Abraham's wife because uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, couldn't have children. And when um, she finally did get pregnant with who would be Ishmael, uh, she was kicked out into the wilderness. And um, it's almost impossible for us to really understand. Some of us have, have, a, have experiences where we really were kicked out of something and we really didn't have anywhere to go and we didn't and we couldn't go back. Some of us have that. Many of us don't, but this is really, this was Hagar's reality. She was pregnant and about to die and she found herself by a well. And God met her there and spoke to her there. And God said to her, Hagar names her, slave girl, 
And then he says, where have you come from and where are you going? And God always, in, in, in the wilderness, which means essentially to speak, the wilderness is the place where God speaks to you. Now, it's not only, that's not the only place, but in the scriptures over and over again, God finally can speak to us and we can finally hear God because, of, because we're in liminal space. We've left something and we don't know where we're going, so our defenses are down and we can actually hear. And what Hagar says is, I've come from my master, Abraham, and my mistress, Sarai, but she doesn't answer the second question, where you're going, where are you going? Why doesn't she answer that? I'll play. She has no idea. She's, for all she knows, she's going to die. Uh, so, uh, and, and just over and over and over again in the scriptures, we see people heading out to the wilderness, Jesus included, uh, and they end up meeting God there, and God speaks to them there. And it's paradoxical because we don't want to go to the wilderness, right? Uh, so the Psalms are, and I almost never preach from the Psalms, but this week I had to, because the Psalms are really external, outdoor stories and experiences that are meant to reflect what's happening inside ourselves, right? So don't get too caught up in like my enemies, you know, dash their babies against the rocks. Oh my gosh, who would ever do that? Uh, some of the dualism that's, it's, it's really like, it's really meant to express that time when you feel like everyone's against you, you're about to die, you can't see where you're going, and you're crying out for help. And many of us have been there. So the kinds of wildernesses that I think we might experience, the death of a loved one, an eating disorder, an addiction, infertility, maybe doubt about what you once believed but can no longer believe. Maybe there's an impending operation that you're nervous about. These are all kinds of wildernesses because you, you've maybe, if you have an illness, you've left the normal of wellness and now you're staring down the barrel of the uncertainty of illness or addiction when you finally face down the fact that something has you. When before you were just, well, I can handle this, I can handle this, and now you can't handle it, and you go to your first meeting. Or the painful road of infertility. What are some other real wildernesses that we can face? All play question. Broken relationships, thanks, Nate. Job loss, thanks, Jace. Rejection, yes. Thanks, Karen. Singleness, thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Bob, being older and feeling less useful, yeah. Oh my gosh, two kids just yawned at the same time. <laughs> Three. Um, yes. Here's an off-play question. How do you make it through the wilderness if you're really there? How do you make it? How do you survive? Say it again. Gut it out, Bob, yes. What else? How else? Moment by moment. Thanks, Jen. 
Thanks, Nate. Get some help. Get an outside perspective. Because I think internally you can just spin and spin and spin. Same story, same narrative over and over again. Oh, Joe, become aware of where you are. Oh, thanks, Dave. Reach out to those who have gone through a similar experience. Yes. Oh, that's right from the scriptures, Jason. Wait on God. And that's hard to do for real, right? And when we think of waiting on God, how do you picture that in your mind? Boring. Painfully slow. Thanks, Jane. Feel powerless, yes. Say it louder. Oh, thanks, Kristen. I wonder if you missed it. Like, there, maybe there was, there was a thing. God came. You missed it. Ah. Or like, does anyone feel like you're, you're supposed to do it angelically? Like waiting is like, <sighs> I'm, I will wait. If you think it's that, read the Psalms. Really, that, the Psalms are great. They are visceral and weird. Ah, you know, like, ah, this is terrible. By the way, I, I, I threw out that line that really is in the Psalms that the, the person hopes their enemy's babies are dashed on the rocks. It's like, sometimes you have to write that out so that you don't do it. <laughs> really, like that's prayer. That's sometimes the only way to wait is to say, Okay, I need an environment. Maybe it's just a pen on a page where I can be the most honest self that I know how to be so that I don't take that <laughs> action, uh, you know. So I think Lent, and the reason why it, it comes uh, so often, it comes once a year, and it lasts for 40 days, and it really lasts for 46 days. I mean, you know, like when you say 40 days, that's, that's taking out the Sundays, right? Which, by the way, if you're, really, if you're really fasting something, the grace in Lent is that on Sundays, that is a feast day. You can pause your fast on that Sunday. I don't know if you knew that, but there's even grace within, within Lent. That's why they call it 40 days, because it's really 46 days, but it's 40 days of fasting. So there's a little grace built in. It's good news, right? <laughs> you're just like, oh, today is Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think one of the only ways through the wilderness uh, when the darkness is overwhelming you is to get around someone. You, you guys said it, but get around someone who's been there, if you haven't, not to give you advice, not to tell you what to do or what not to do, but just to get a witness that someone has been through that or something like it and survived. They, they're, they're still breathing. <laughs> and just hearing their story is helpful. Again, advice, not helpful, usually. But to hear a story and to go, okay, maybe I can make it. Because if you're in the wilderness, really, you haven't done that before, that particular kind of wilderness. And so it's really... Um, you really need community, amen? You actually really need the faithful that have gone before you to say, you, you, this will be hard. 
but you don't have to die. <laughs> you really can walk through this. Psalm 27, 13 and 14 is, is what I'm going to focus on. Uh, and the psalmist writes, I will move past my enemies with this one sure hope that with my own eyes, I will see the goodness of the eternal in the land of the living. Let's say that again. I will move past my enemies with this one sure hope that with my own eyes, I will see the goodness of the eternal in the land of the living. So as I was thinking about that verse this week, I thought, man, what is the land of the living? Like, really, what, what is that? And so I did a little, you know, word search, like a nerd. Uh, so land, Eretz, means land, soil, earth. And then living is the word he, and it means life. So the land of the living is where... Um, Earth, matter, soil, dust, dirt meets life, breath, spirit, divine. So the soil and the breath, when they come together, that's the land of the living. So often we avoid the wilderness, maybe because we think if we're really following God in the way that we should, Life will just keep going up and to the right. It'll just be, it'll be all living and no land. Do you know what I mean by that? Just all living, up and to the right. Life is great. Woo! Winning. But land of the living puts together these two seemingly opposite things. Genesis 2, 7 uh, it's the second account of creation. Have you ever noticed this? It's like, in the Bible, back to back, there's two totally different accounts of creation. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I do know, but I'm, I'm not going to tell it right now. Um, <laughs> or you can ask me later. Uh, Genesis 2, 7, second account. Then the Lord God formed the human from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man or the human became a living being. Soil, earth, dust, dirt, matter, body, me, you, sin. With breath, life, divine, spirit. Those two came together. And so there is a hope in the wilderness that in the middle of our darkness, dust, soil, earth, there will be breath, spirit, life, God will meet us in that place. In that place of pain. In that place of brokenness. In that place of loss. In that place where Maybe all you saw was regret. That in some miraculous way, the land of the living is dust and breath together. Me and you 
encountering the paradox of disagreement and pain and life. Um, in Philippians 3, which Katie read, that's also in the lectionary uh, passage this week, we read this, but our citizenship is in heaven, okay? It's from there that we're expecting a savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, he will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. The body of humiliation, the Greek word taponosis means depression, humiliation, or maybe even a feeling of guilt. The word doxa means uh, a good opinion of someone. So our soil, dust, brat, sin, will be transformed by God into something that God says of you, that God has a good opinion of you. So the land of the living is this. You can't escape the reality of life in the soil. But the spirit can breathe life into all of it. Not by trying hard, but by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That doesn't make life easy, but it makes life hopeful. Amen? But it's only when we refuse to separate out the soil from the breath. Those two things have to come together for the land of the living to be inhabited. And that's the journey of Lent. To experience the ache and the want. And the, um, you know, you, you want to reach for that thing. And then pulling your hand back is just a reminder that we live by the breath of God, the very words of God. Not that thing that we're reaching for. Amen. Amen.